Hey, there we are. What a good-looking bunch as well. Uh, you are listening to, slash, potentially watching live the Gridiron Show uh, on Monday morning off the back of a wild Sunday of week three of NFL action. I'm Will Gavin alongside Simon Clancy, our features editor for Gridiron. Simon, how are you doing, sir? Good, Will. How are you? I mean, I feel like Ken Dorsey after watching the Bills choke <sighs> against Miami. <laughs> I mean, that, whoa, whoa, whoa. Choke. Interesting word. What's yeah, all right. We, don't worry. You'll get your chance to wax your lyrical. You, I'm not, you'll, I don't need to wax lyrical. I'm just saying it wasn't a choke. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, we've got Ollie Hunter here as well. How are we doing, O'Hunts? No choking for the Green Bay Packers. They tried to. They really tried to desperately. choke. Desperately. Yeah, desperately tried to choke it after such a good start. But yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm, I had a funny feeling that the Packers would beat the Bucks. Um, and, and they proved me right, which is rare. Well, we're going to talk about all three of those games and plenty more from the action from Sunday as well. Uh, look, I don't even know why I'm hosting the show, considering I stopped liking the NFL about 12 hours ago. Uh, but we will get into my feelings on all of that coming up shortly. We want to hear from you throughout the show, though. If you join us on StreamYard, you can leave your questions in the comments. You can also tweet us at Gridiron on Twitter, where you can find myself, Simon, and Ollie there as well. If you have any questions live during the show, we're live around 4 p.m. every Monday uh, UK time. And it's London week as well. This is the thing. I- I'm feeling so down about the-, the performance last night and actually staying up and watching that atrocious game of football until nearly five in the morning. I'm ignoring the fact that we're getting to spend this week, you know, going to Saints practice, going to Vikings practice. We're throwing, I don't know, with my other work, we're throwing a big party on the Sunday ahead of the game. We're doing the game live. We're going to be there. It's going to be a great time for all. And so we should be celebrating the excitement that it's back on. Plus, I mean, obviously, we're ignoring the biggest piece of news out of week three. The Pro Bowl has been scrapped and it's now going to be a skills competition. So we now need to hastily organize a skills competition between the three of us, plus Ollie Connolly, Mike, everyone involved in the show uh, to go, I think, for the Jags Broncos game to see how we test against these NFL players. Uh, I'm going to start with what I think was the game of the day, the result of the day. Uh, My, I actually, my one kind of positive coming out of this week was I called the Miami Dolphins win off the back of seeing the state of the Bills secondary and the number of injuries they had. And they did it, but it wasn't this offensive masterpiece, Mike McDaniels absolutely turning on and then putting up 35, 40 points. They did it by shutting down Josh Allen time and time again. Simon Clancy, that had to be an absolute spirit-boosting performance. It was. I mean, I I thought it was interesting. I thought it was quite an... um... I thought it was complimentary of the Bills because essentially what they did was just try and keep that speed off the field. You know, in that heat, they didn't want their defense running around. I mean, the Ravens ran six and a half thousand yards last week trying to cover the Dolphins, which has been the most in the NFL in like 10 years. And why would the Bills, with a slightly depleted secondary, why would they want to to, to do that? So I think I heard earlier on that Josh Allen's 73 dropbacks were the most in NFL history since records have started. Dolphins only played 39 offensive plays, which was the lowest in the NFL since 2018. Ironically, with the Dolphins again back in week three of 2018. But um, so yeah, it was uh, it was great to do it. Yes, there were injuries. There were injuries on both sides. I thought it's been astonishing watching Bills fans complaining about the heat that the game should be moved. It was too hot. It's like I'm sorry, does it not snow in Buffalo in like every from November through till January? In what world are we living in, lads? In what world? 
the number of Bills fans who descended on South Beach all through Friday, Saturday, Sunday for that exact reason. I mean, if you're a Bills fan, you're hoping that game's happening in December because it's a chance to get out of the minus yeah. 20 degrees that it can get to in Buffalo on game day. Yeah. Right. Party time in Fort Lauderdale on, on Friday and Saturday, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's too hot. And everything. <laughs> I mean, I saw some people tweeting they were going to complain <laughs> to the government. It's like, it, like, how? I, I, is I, this I, the thing that finally gets Americans believing in climate uh, change? Is, well, this the, is this the moment oh, yeah. that the whole thing turns? Because Buffalo's Bills fans, oh, it was a bit warm. Last time I checked, it was hot for both teams. So, I mean, you know, and lads, you had the ball for 40 minutes. If, if you can only score 19 points or 17 points yourselves, you know, that's that's on you, not on... Um, you know, not anybody else. But no, it was a, it was a big win. Uh, I think McDaniel has been very cautious in saying it was a statement win. It's just that there's very much a one-game-at-a-time mentality, which I think is really interesting. I thought the offense was incredibly efficient for those 39 plays. Two have played really well, made critical throws when he needed to. Uh, the offensive line protected really well, but the defense was the real... You know, and I've, I've worried about the ability to get home with four, uh, and I thought they did a really good job the front four. Um, secondary was was outstanding. Xavier Howard was brilliant, playing on a dodgy groin. Javon Holland had probably his best game as, yes. uh, as a pro, which is high praise indeed. With one and a half sacks, ten um, ten tackles, he could have had an interception at the end. He had like three or four pass breakups. He was absolutely everywhere. This this the sack fumble. So yeah, I, I thought just defensively, Josh Boyer just called a fantastic game. But also, I just you know, you just want to praise Josh Allen. I mean, what an absolute mutant he is. You know, the, I was listening to people this morning saying Allen was terrible and he choked and he could only. Talk. I mean, come on, I, I, people just not understanding fundamental football in terms of scheme and uh, and how you you move a ball up and down the field in terms of you know the Bills were never really behind the chains and when they were, he converted. Like there was a second and twenty six, and we've got a WhatsApp group and you know I put in the WhatsApp group it's second and twenty six Buffalo, but this mutant's going to going to convert and they did you know it, it, that's just what he does his ability to extend the plays is tough even on the final play of the game Melvin Ingram who's you know no shrinking violet in terms of his size 265 pounds is draped all over Allen he still manages to escape then he escapes Jalen Phillips he's got Emmanuel Ogba hanging off his back and he still hits Isaiah McKenzie and it's you know only the fault of McKenzie for not getting out of bounds they don't have a either a Hail Mary or a long field goal at him so I thought Alan was phenomenal to watch. He's just such an incredible player, and um, but it was it was a really a really good game. And the you know the Dolphins came out on top. I, I don't believe that the Dolphins are fundamentally a better football team than the Buffalo Bills. I think if they line up tomorrow on a neutral field with everybody healthy, I think the the Bills would probably win. But I think the Dolphins made a statement. You know, the top of the AFC East, and you know it's a short week this week against Cincinnati, and you worry about the defense going up against you know having played ninety plays going to Cincinnati on a short week. But then after that, there's a run of sort of six, seven games where you play, you know, the Texans, the Bears, the Jets, the Steelers, you know, and you just think this team could, you know, <laughs> even if they lose to the Bengals on Thursday night, they could be 8-9-1 by the time that they get to the, the difficult portion of the, the back end of the schedule. Their final six weeks is it, it, it's a bit hairy, but, you know, there's some, the Detroit, they play Detroit, there's, there's some winnable games there. What did uh, you two make of the, uh, the, the controversy of Tua going down? And I getting mean, back up, stumbling, moving about—it looks bad, but it, it, the, so, the, um, the excuses afterwards are a bit suspect. Well, aren't they? What I thought, what I think is that what what concerns me is that when he hits the floor, the first thing he does is he touches his head. Okay, if he was touching, if he hurt his back, you'd be like that, right? Then he gets up, and the first thing he does is you know, like when a dog gets up from a sleep and it goes and shakes his head. Tua like shakes his head as if he's like shaking off the cobwebs. Then he starts to walk forwards and stumbles and nearly falls over. And then he's held up by by players. 
and then he goes off. The thing that concerns me most, apart from all that, is that, you know, we've all been in press boxes. When somebody gets injured and you're sat in the press box, there's an announcement that says, Will Gavin, neck injury, questionable to return. And so you get all the beat reporters, all the beat writers tweet that out at the same time because they've heard it all over the, the loudspeaker. So in the, all the Dolphins beat reporters tweeted at the same time, Tua Takavaloa, questionable to return, head injury. Why was it announced that he had a head injury? Because that information comes from the trainers. The, the trainers feed that to the press office. The press office then feed that through into the into the cannery system. And the Dolphins then tweeted that out as well to a question or to return, head injury. I don't understand why people, I don't understand why there's any confusion on that. He either hurt his neck or he hurt his head. He hurt both, but that's fine. But don't say he had a head injury as the main reason why he wasn't, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just think in a game where we're we're being incredibly careful about what people what people do when they, they, you know, they hit their heads or there's, there's head-on collisions, those sorts of things. But according to Joe Rose of the Dolphins, he was literally in the tunnel before the end of the half, was throwing the ball about, warming his arm up before the half had even finished, whilst Teddy Bridgewater was still taking snaps. So, you know, the, the independent neurological advisor clearly cleared him and he was ready to go. But it didn't, I, I just thought it looked ugly. It is worth mentioning that the NFL has, my cat, uh, that the NFL has, more like the best protocols in the world for dealing with this has independent neurological experts in the stadium. They have to go through so many, and you could get really kind of skeptical about it and talk about uh, how the league have done that because it's about protecting their own back and saving themselves from lawsuits and everything else. But it doesn't matter. It is as safe as it can possibly be. It did look suspect and it did look like a bad decision, but if they've gone through every protocol, if they've jumped through every hoop, if they've done everything they need to do to get through it, the process will continue to be reviewed and looked at, and they are mounting an investigation into it to make sure that every box was ticked. But you kind of can't argue against it if they've done everything right. It's not like the team have made the active decision to send it a guy they know is hurt because he gives them a better chance of winning necessarily. They have to have still cleared all of those other hurdles first. I will say something, uh, and we don't know he's focused on this game for a while, but I, I just on the Josh Allen performance, and the defense were excellent. Emmanuel Ogba, seven QB pressures, Melvin Ingram, five with two sacks. I thought he was, you know, looking back to his Chargers best this weekend. And there were miscues on the Buffalo side of things. Gabe Davis could have caught that ball, could have probably uh, held on to it, could have been a touchdown. Josh Allen did throw for 400 yards. Yeah, the offense generated nearly 500 yards, 31 first downs, but for only 19 points. And I do think that Josh Allen is an unbelievable football player who should make this team relevant for the next 15 years. But he has become a little bit Teflon because of how good he was last season. And people do forget he threw the third most interceptions last season. And on the final drive, not the... The final near-scoring drive, not when they then got the ball back again at the end, he threw three what should have been interceptions. Miami yeah. should have picked the ball off three times and they were dropped. So I'm not saying he was bad. Some people have overreacted. But I'm just saying he's still a human being, under pressure, he can still make mistakes. And I'm saying that more than anything to say that people who want to send the Bills to the Super Bowl off the first two weeks of this season just remember what a really good defence can do to a really good quarterback. Yeah. I, I worry about down. Buffalo's lack of a run game, I yeah. have to say. Real problem this um, weekend. That, to me, is a massive issue. And that, that then leads to Josh having to play sort of hero ball. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I think if they'd had a more balanced running attack, I think that would have been, um, yeah, that would have been significantly, uh, it would have just been a significantly better option for that team. 
I think we can also caveat those those almost interceptions. I thought there were about four of them um, at the end. The fact that he's been out on the field for sixty plus snaps um, in that pr- that heat. It was thirty seven degrees in that pressure. Come oh, the end of the game. It's, it's a little bit hot. Yeah, but like, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna look, stick up for my my boy Josh Allen. But yeah, it was ridiculous. I, I, I'm, again, I'm saying some people have overreacted, but I do think we have to put some of it, uh, some of the performance on him. Um, look, uh, there was a load of games I want to talk about from this weekend, but let's talk about some upsets uh, to to kind of as as a way of anchoring us through what we're going to discuss this weekend. And I don't think a lot of people will have had the Indianapolis Colts going against the Kansas City Chiefs and coming away, not only holding that Chiefs team to, what, 17 points, but coming away with the victory as well. 20 to 17, as finally the Colts found some offensive playmakers. Alec Pierce, who missed last week's game, stepped up three grabs for 61 yards. Uh, that 30-yard catch he had with the Colts backs up against their goal line was, was game-changing. Jelani Woods, obviously two touchdowns, including the game winner. Incredibly impressive from him. I thought the key, however, was that, again, that Colts defense finally stood up and made themselves count against an opposition because they're going to have to rely on that a bit this year. Matt Ryan can't stop fumbling the ball. His arm still looks like a bit of a noodle. I think they're going to have to win games through running the ball, through great defense. You have to say Stefan Gilmore coming back and playing really well was key. And they just did the fundamentals brilliantly. They got pressure. They looked really good. The defensive line looked excellent and they won up front against the Chiefs, and they just caused Pat Mahomes problems all day long. And it was just a really good all-round team performance. This wasn't some fluky win, some load of miscues from the Chiefs. This was a good all-round top-to-bottom performance, and the Colts came away with a deserved win. Yeah, what do you I mean? I think you sort of said it, almost said it all. I, the, the, the Chiefs are worryingly poor on, um, on their run offensive run game um couldn't get Edwards Alaire into the game at all um and he's looked he looked pretty good the first two wins of, of the season so I was worried on in that respect from the Chiefs also special teams as you said massively yeah. let them down with that with that muff punt um after going on the three and out flipping the field straight away the the, the pressure was back on and there was some weird there was some weird play calling so the the fake field goal from Tommy Townsend. Tommy Townsend, hey, um, that was a that was a weird call. Give it if you're going to. I don't have a problem going for it at all, particularly when your backup kicker is missing kicks. You've got maybe the best quarterback in the NFL available to you. Yeah, exactly. Run a play. So there was some there was some weird things. I I think the last couple couple of weeks we were talking about. Weird offense, uh, weird coaching decisions, and uh, maybe maybe Reed and and the enemy. There was at the end of the half with um, Mahomes wanting to get another playoff with 19 seconds to go, and the enemy's just gone. Now let's just take it to the half. Mahomes and him having a conversation about it. Um, it, it was it was just like maybe some of the weird coaching that we saw in the first two weeks that didn't afflict Kansas City started to afflict them this week. Yeah, I just. Uh... I think they look slow on offense, and uh, mm. you know some of the issues. The argument, I mean, players argue, coaches argue. That's it's fine, but the Chris Jones thing had to apologize in the locker room afterwards to his teammates. 
I thought they struggled in short yardage situations. I, I, I didn't think the offensive line was particularly fantastic. I, I, and I, I know they've got speedy players, um, but it's it, it's all well and good having guys that can run fast, but you've got to be able to do something with that. And and they don't seem to be. And it's a little bit the same with Marcus valdez Scanley, for example, back in Green Bay. Ollie, you know, had tons of speed, but you never really were that worried that valdez Scanley was going to... It's not like having Tyreek Hill or... You know, it's he's not that kind of guy. Yes, he's he's, he's speedy, but to me, I just I worry about the Chiefs. I I think you know the AFC West has gone from looking like the greatest division in the history of the NFL to absolutely, you know, Brandon Staley's a terrible coach in San Diego with the Chargers. I mean, the the Raiders. I mean, Josh McDaniels could be one and done again. I mean, they're zero and three, and you know, all over the shop. And I know the Broncos are two and one, but by God, that was a struggle last night. So. Um, and, uh, Nathaniel Hackett being two and one, and I'm obviously I'm going to have thoughts about that game coming up. But based on his coaching performance of the thir- first three weeks, nobody can be thanking their lucky stars more than Nathaniel Hackett to be above 500 right now. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's I, I just I, I just didn't like the play calling. I didn't like the the the. He talked about the the, the special teams mishaps and. The Colts looked really bad for the first two weeks. Matt Ryan especially looked really bad. That arm looked absolutely done. The offensive line, huge question marks, left tackle. They obviously got rid of Eric Fisher and are really struggling on that side. I just thought it was a that was a real shock to me. That the, but the Chiefs tend to have one of those clunkers every year. But I just wonder whether or not that becomes because you know you've taken out such an integral part of that offense. Look, I mean, I'm, I'm old enough to remember back to week one when people said, oh, you know, they, they doesn't miss Tyreek Hill when he threw five touchdowns. Well, you know, I think they are missing Tyreek Hill. They're missing Tyreek Hill's, you know, uh, ability to find space and make space. And that's something that Juju Smith-Schuster and MVS don't do. They're, they're not great route runners. Um, it's the only thing that Travis Kelsey does. And Kelsey uses his physicality to make plays and and... and and catch those balls in tight situations. And you can't rely just on that. Uh, we saw that last year with Green Bay relying just on one player on their offense in Devontae Adams. So you can't, and the, the Chiefs can't do that this year. They also had a seven, the Colts drove down the field 76 yards, the longest drive of the game at the end. But there weren't like, I don't remember any spectacular plays or spectacular highlights. It was just like chugging it out, chugging it out, picking up first downs. Do you know what I mean? It was like, I just, where was the urgency on the defense? As much as we criticize special teams and the offense, and there was enough to criticize, enough to go around, but defensively, they were, apart from Nick Bolton, they weren't really making any plays defensively either in terms of just trying to stymie the Colts moving down the field. I, I do want to, you mentioned it there, but one of the other I, I, upsets in terms of the nature of the result rather than the fact, no, not the nature of the result, the, 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 the nature of the, the scoreline rather than the result itself. I don't think, you know, Jacksonville beating the Chargers wasn't necessarily a huge shock considering they went into this with their superstar quarterback, with a broken rib cartilage, with Corey Lindsley out, with JC Jackson out, losing key players in the game as well, like Rashawn Slater and Joey Bosa both going out of the game. Arguably the two best players in the trenches when you take Corey Lindsley out of that team. 38 to 10 for Jacksonville, getting those early turnovers, really looking impressive on on both sides of the ball. And a team who in an AFC South, which currently is still trying to very much figure itself out. Tennessee finally got a win this weekend, but it wasn't a particularly impressive one over the Raiders. It 24 to, to 22, a Raiders side who might be terrible this year. 
yeah, I, I just, Jacksonville really made a bit of a statement and I thoroughly enjoyed seeing them move the ball up and down the field, look great on defense and just, you know, just a great performance. They've got an adult. They've got an adult in charge. Um, <laughs> it just, I think it makes a huge difference not having Urban Meyer there and then having some of their, their players being coached properly, being um, having the right playbook and being used properly. And you see that with James Robinson having an absolute monster game, 100 yards um, Trevor Lawrence has looked phenomenal um, the last two weeks, really. And I, it's just, and you mentioned it um, regarding the Chargers signing and, and Staley. Why on earth was Herbert playing in yeah, the I first mean, place? And then leaving him in when they were down 20 something, 24 points, leaving him in um, to the fourth quarter when the game was done. Just It's just, it's it, dereliction of duty and. Um, it, it's almost actionable. It's it's a shocking decision. I thought it was inexcusable that he was left in the yeah. game. And uh, to me, it underlines what a bad coach Staley is. Uh, I think the Chargers are in big trouble. I mean, you look across that roster, you know, I know there's a lot of injuries, but obviously Joey Boza left in the first half with a groin injury. Rashawn Slater he left with his arm in a, in a sling. I mean, that's massive if your all-pro left tackle, you know, isn't going to be able to play. But also, like... The Chargers running game, Justin Herbert is getting no help from the running game. Like Austin Eckler has 80 yards rushing in the first three games this season. He, it's, 77 of those 80 yards have come after contact, which is an astonishing number. But he's just not running with the same juice, the same quick twitch. Uh, and I just don't know how that part of their offense improves when Lindsley is out, if Slater's out. Um, you know, and, and for all the stars that they've got, you know, JC Jackson obviously, you know, with the ankle ruled out of the game. Keenan Allen didn't play offensively, but, you know, if Boza has to miss time, you know, I, I think they're in big trouble and you, what you're going to tend to find is that Herbert's going to be forced into more and more mistakes because he's going to have to play hero ball, you know, and thank goodness for like Mike Williams, who's just going out making sort of Randy Moss type catches over people um, because I think they're really struggling. And I, I just don't think they trust the coach. I don't think they're responding to the coach. Whereas the flip side to that is it's clear that the Jacksonville Jaguars are responding to their coach as, as, as um, Ollie says, they've got an adult in the room. You know, Doug Peterson, everybody's quick to say, oh, you know, Doug Peterson, the Eagles won the Super Bowl because it was Frank Reich and the Eagles won the Super Bowl because, well, I mean, he's done a pretty good job of uh, of turning that that team around really quickly. And I think some kudos should go to Trent Balky as well because he got absolutely ruined, um, it, you know, early in the spring and uh, as we headed towards summer with all the money he spent in free agency. And actually, a lot of those free agents are, are, are playing outstanding football. Um and Trevor Lawrence has clearly got the confidence that that he needs with somebody that trusts him and is, is helping with the scheme. And, you know, that offense looks really good and he's at the heart of it. So, um, you know, that's what we need in the AFC is to add another bloody mutant to the quarterback. <laughs> <line. laughs> yeah. uh, worth a mention for rookie linebacker Devin Lloyd as well, who for yeah. the second week in a row was probably the best player on that defense. Uh, seven tackles, three passes defense, had an interception last week over the Colts and then got the pick. In the second quarter today, uh, you know, two interceptions in his first three career games from the linebacker spot. Pretty impressive stuff. Absolutely stole him as well at the back end of the first round. You know, yeah, getting him at twenty-seven yeah, overall. Yeah. So yeah, uh, really, really impressive stuff from them. So we talk about the NFL, but have you ever experienced the NFL in its natural state, live and in person? In America, surrounded by tens of thousands of screaming partisan fans after spending hours beforehand 
in the car park outside the stadium enjoying a cold beer maybe one or two as the smell of barbecue and tailgate food wafts deliciously through the air if not or if you have and you fancy doing it again well touchdown trips folks are the experts in creating amazing travel packages for your favorite nfl team and when we say amazing we mean it the guys and the girls at touchdown trips put fans first and are passionate the fans who book with them get a proper unforgettable and more importantly a unique nfl experience you don't just get tickets but an authentic pre-game tailgate with local fans. College fan? You want to go to a college game? Stadium tour? Why not? As well as all that, they include flights from across the UK. They've got fantastic hotels and anything else you may want to add, such as an NBA game or an NHL game or a local excursion to create truly bespoke packages that are more importantly, at all protected and up to bonded. So if you're thinking of going to a game this season or next and just want to get in touch, give the team at Touchdown Trips a shout today at touchdowntrips.com. Check them out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash touchdowntrips or Twitter at touchdowntrips. Touchdown Trips, you have to see it to believe it. Uh, What game do we want to move on to and talk about now? Can you tell I'm trying to avoid something? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about the Packers. Um, yeah, I, although I'm right. I mean, if you thought Sunday night football was a letdown, it's an argument that the nine twenty-five. I thought the six slot window was really good fun again this week. I thought the yeah, nine nine window and the Sunday games were both pretty pretty poor. And Rogers uh, Brady uh, did not deliver in the spades we wanted it to. I think it just showed that there are two really really good defenses. Um, I think you can allow Todd Bowles a, a bit of credit for making those adjustments to stop the Green Bay offense. But Green Bay were um, a fumble away in the end zone from going up 21-3. to And uh, the Tampa Bay offense didn't really look like they had anything until that final drive where Green Bay inexplicably... I mean, and it, I, 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 should be, I should be surprised, but I'm not. I still don't. I never get why there's the prevent defense on a on a final drive again, especially against Tom Brady, um, to almost allow them to get in, and then it was just a busted and two point play where the they should have they should have leveled it up. Um, it, 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 so Green Bay got away with it, but for the first two drives, about well, the first three drives, scored on the first two. The, the third one was that Aaron Jones fumble. The offense looked really good. The defense looks really good, albeit against a Tampa Bay offense, Sean, its best receivers, and um, Tom Brady looking not his usual self. I think Tom Brady not looking his usual self, but you have to give him some a little bit of leeway with no Mike Evans, no Chris Godwin, no Julio Jones, who looked obviously so good in week one. You know, Cameron Brake, Russell Gage, those then become your guys. And I, lo- I really, Russell Gage is a guy that I've banged the drum for for the last few years. Really, really like him as a number three. I don't like him as your first or second receiver choice with Brashad Perriman, who should probably already be out of the league at the kind of other wide receiver spot. And people will overreact because it's Tom Brady and falling to two and one will make it seem like, you know, the sky is, is falling in. But 271 yards through the air off... 31 completions, 42 attempts. It just means that they're not moving the ball very far. The yards per play is very, very low, well below five uh, overall. 
the run game didn't do anything to help them with that. I think the Packers' defense deserves some credit, but man, those receivers can't get back soon enough for the Bucks. Especially seeing as that Jair Alexander went out of the game very, very early. And Russell Douglas has the last last season in the beginning part of this, take away that first game, has looked absolutely outrageous. Um, but yeah, he looks good against against Cole Beasley and um, Brichard Perryman and, and Russell Gage did have a good good game. I, I, I give you that. But they need they need Godwin back, Evans to come back and and Julio as well. Um but that that defense will keep them in games and especially against teams with worse quarterbacks and there's a good uh I would say half the quarterbacks in the league um almost not fit for purpose. Um when they play against a bad offense or a bad quarterback, that defense will make plays and and will win them games if the offensive isn't firing. The ne- the next four games for Green Bay are Three, I think they've got three in a row at home. Patriots, Giants, Jets. Patriots who, uh, you know, despite putting up points against the Ravens this week, never I really thought looked like winning that game of football. The Giants, obviously frisky, could go to 3-0 and tonight on Monday Night Football. But we think about who they've played. The Jets, again, a little bit frisky. But those are all games that the Packers should win in Lambeau. Then the Commanders on the road. Those first time I've called them the Commanders. Uh, I think it's I'm warming to it. But, you know, similar to the Dolphins, your back end of your schedule is stacked. And therefore, you know, you get through to the midway in the season. It, we've, it's been a knock on Green Bay previously that they're a bit of a slow starter and figure it out. And that's ended up costing them number one seeds and home field advantage and how key that can be in Lambeau. I kind of feel like there's a good chance you get out to eight, nine, ten and one and then, you know, come in at whatever you come in at. In a weak NFC, I, I, I foresee the number one uh, overall seed in your future, Holly Hunter. Oh, are you conceding? Are you conceding as a, officially here on the Gridiron Show as a San Francisco 49ers is, fan? Is, any, is anyone this morning having watched the 49ers play football last night thinking they're, you know... Uh, I, I mean, I still think they're a playoff team because that defence is ridiculous. But when you consider who's in their division, who they have to play this year, you know, compared with the, the run, the schedule I've just named for you... The 49ers have to face the Chiefs, the Rams twice, the Chargers and the yeah. Saints defences over the next seven games. Like, they might, they might average 14 points a game in that stretch of time. And you're going to rely on, you're, you're going to rely on winning games 11-10, like the Broncos managed to last night. So I, I found myself at the back end of this game being, I joked about it, but legitimately like Ken Dorsey angry as I got to the end of this game. And it might be because it was nearly five in the morning. On the one weekend of this season, I decided to take off and watch the games with my buddies instead of working. Uh, thinking the London game's coming this week, 49ers on Sunday night football, why not give myself the chance to, you know, take a, take a weekend off? I watched one of the worst games of just sport I've ever seen in my life. I watched a defense that were, as I say, absolutely stunning, but... There was every chance that what we saw at the end of that game was going to happen in that they had the time of possession was so heavily in favor of the Denver Broncos that eventually that defense were going to get gassed. And Russell Wilson turned it on for a single drive, had one great play with his legs, one great throw against a defense that looked very, very tired, got a touchdown. And that was it was game done. There was no way with probably two more drives remaining that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to get on that field and get it going. 
I think I was most annoyed because last week I sat listening to Matt Sherry and Simon Clancy and everyone else telling me that Jimmy Garoppolo coming in for the San Francisco 49ers gave them a better chance of winning. And because I felt like my preseason excitement about Trey Lance had maybe got on top of me a little bit, I bit my tongue instead of standing up for what I knew to be true, which is that was all f- it's game, it's Will. complete nonsense. No, it's, it's not about game. one game. It's not about one game. It's about the fact that putting a guy who has upside into that offense and letting him learn over the next 10 plus games, a guy who then could go and win us games of football when they are tight and not make horrendous mistakes, like giving up a safety where he walks out the back of the end zone, throwing some of the worst wobbly passes, having absolutely no connection. The, the series where he got picked off, where he underthrew, underthrew Debo Samuel when he could have set him for a touchdown and then overthrew him literally with the next target of him, which led to the interception, was just prime example. The guy is not good enough in the NFL. And I thought maybe it was an injury thing. Maybe he did need to get over the shoulder. Maybe it is a, a case of what can he do against a really good defense when he's not had time to work with those players. But the scheme was mostly suitable for him last night. It wasn't like they just ran the Trey Lance scheme and hoped he'd be fine. They had the old playbook. A lot of those players were still in there. The, the offensive line, for the most part, stood up to that Broncos defense. It was only really in the second half that they gave up more pressures. Uh, I thought that the you know the running game, when opening up holes, offered up opportunities. The point is, is Jimmy Garoppolo will probably win nine or ten games as the 49ers starting quarterback this season. A lot of teams would absolutely kill for but this is a team with a Super Bowl ceiling who have a quarterback who cannot win against those top-tier defences and cannot win in tight games where it's the pressure is on his shoulders and he has to go and do it and he can't do it. It's just he is a high-end backup. He's been paid to be a high-end backup. I don't think that they have a higher ceiling than they did a week ago before Trey Lance got injured. And I listened to everyone tell me on Monday and kind of got talked into it that they did have a higher ceiling now. They don't. The ceiling was the best team in the NFL. The floor was lower, but give me the best team in the NFL as the ceiling and not even going to the playoffs as the floor versus you'll get a wild card spot and go out in the first round of the playoffs. I, d- I don't know where I don't you want think that. you're going to be the best team in the NFL, Will. I just don't understand that. And I because just that defense is a top five defense and you only need the offense to average 21 points a game, 25 points a game in that situation, and you'd be absolutely fine. I'm saying it's a... It's an extreme, what I'm saying about that ceiling. But I believe a week before Trey Lance goes down, that is a team who should have had Super Bowl aspirations. I do not have those aspirations. And everyone else is telling me I should have them more so than I did before, which I think I, is I nonsense. Don't how, I don't know how you think Trey Lance was going to take you to the Super Bowl, mate. I just, <laughs> that's just not a world I can live in. But because he has the upside, and he would have had 16 games to work with the offense, learn, connect with that's them, not, that's not whilst the being NFL able works. to make those big plays. He's thrown 219 passes in college and go, I'll take this team to the Super Bowl. That's never happened before. This but everyone wants to look at, like, most of those players have to go into terrible, terrible football teams. This guy gets to go into a really good football team with a line that's playing above what we expected from it, with a really good run game, admittedly, with now more injuries. He he had what he needed around him to have enough success to get through, all whilst learning. Give me that over the same Jimmy Garoppolo rubbish for the next twenty weeks. I just don't think you're plugging in a kid from a mid from a mid tier, you know, FCS school and think he's going to take you to the Super Bowl. And I'm telling you, I would take that over Jimmy Garoppolo all day long. 
But also, you said like he can't take games on his shoulders, and like he went, he went to the uh, to the NFC number one seed and beat the Packers in Green Bay. Yeah, like, on an incredibly highly in an incredibly highly schemed game. game. Yeah, an incredibly highly schemed game, game where Green Bay made a lot of mistakes. Where he was he, to see your argument. He hasn't been he the guy who's gone and won games. He's not been the guy to go and win games. I thought I thought your biggest problem last night, and I don't think Garoppolo played very well, but I think your biggest problem last night was like, where were the targets for George Kittle? George Kittle had one catch. Why did you go away from the run game in the second uh, half? I didn't understand <laughs> the play calling. It was just like it was. You got the best tight end in football, and he targeted him one. He had one catch. I just like. I, I think that they, there's a good. I'm, point I'm in relatively. That I'm relatively sure that's wrong. But he, regardless, four catches, four catches on five targets. Yeah. Okay, I'd be throwing in the ball. 12 times again. He's the best tight end in the He's literally the second most targeted player in the team, and he's but just coming back last, off an injury. I'm talking about last night, not yeah. about historically. I'm saying last night, he should have been like. And, and last night, he was the second most targeted player while coming off an injury. He, he should have been a massively central part of that game. Where was the run game in the second half? I, I didn't understand why he went away from the run. Oh, the coaching wasn't good either. I'm not giving, the, I'm not allowing. Shanahan or anyone else off. I'm just saying that I don't think that this team can succeed against top-tier defences while running with that quarterback and that offence combined. Maybe they can scheme something. Maybe they can figure something out. I didn't see a single thing last night that suggested that was the case. It feels like Shanahan gets off of it scot-free sometimes because, all right, his teams he, he draws up sexy plays and his teams play nice football. But, you know... What, where's it got you? What's it, what's happened here? Where's the Real where's the scheming? Not to Miami, buddy. Well, and exactly, and that's worked out for working out for Miami. But for Shanahan, they haven't won a Super Bowl, so you know, like he seems he's a, he's, he's managed to scheme a team to an NFC Championship game and to a Super Bowl, and that's more on his coaching than it is on I think all, his coaching and great talent acquisition because. Positives to the 49ers. Man, they keep finding great talent in the mid to late rounds of the draft. Sam Womack was great again last night, a fifth round pick. Spencer Burford was great for 95% of snaps last night. He gave up a really bad false start at an awful moment. But other than that, a fourth round pick who's performing like they found good talent and they've schemed well. The problem for Shanahan has been in those games where you need something to make the difference, whether that is as the OC in Atlanta, whether that is the Super Bowl, whether that's the NFC Championship game against the Rams last year, where they had a lead going into the fourth quarter. They're, he doesn't seem to have that, that chutzpah at that moment. And look, we want to pick on Shanahan for something last night. With a lead, fourth down, opposition territory, in short yardage, he doesn't go for it again. And he never does go for it. He went for it once last week while ahead, and I praised him for it. So now I need to go back after him again. Because actually, that was a game where you pick up that fourth down and the likelihood is you're going to get into field goal range. You're going to score at least three points, which ends up winning you the game. If you don't convert it, Russell Wilson and the Broncos defense uh, offense at that point had barely picked up. I think they were something like three for 14 on third downs at that point, And we were 0 for 9. It was a dreadful game of football all round. Let's not ignore that entirely. It's part of the reason I'm angry today in general is that I stayed up to watch that absolute nonsense. But that is bad from Shanahan. That's, that is not taking risks at the right time and he is risk-averse in the wrong moments. And it's a problem. So I'm admitting, yes, there's more than one problem on the team. I just hate that everyone spent last week telling me we're suddenly a Super Bowl team when actually 
I don't believe it. Oh, buddy. All right, buddy. Yeah. We love you. Yeah. It's all right. The London games. I've got that to focus on now. I'll. Uh... <laughs> Uh, right, we, I knew that was going to happen and I knew I was going to go off on one, which is why I tried to save it for the end. Let's go through one like thing that we spotted from this week from a game that we've maybe not talked about. Um, I, I want to mention the LA Rams because there was a point in that game where they were up early and the Cardinals couldn't move the ball at all and their defense couldn't get a stop. And I'm looking at this and going, this game's going to finish 40 to nothing. This is going to be an absolute destruction. And they let Cliff Kingsbury and a bang, bang, bang average Cardinals team right back into it. Okay, they end up getting the win, but I, this Rams team is incredibly Jekyll and Hyde at best. Arguably nowhere near where they were last season at the moment. I mean, there's a little cause for concern as they start to play some tougher teams in their schedule. I thought they were Jekyll and Hyde a bit last season as well. Do you know what I mean? I thought, like, you remember some of those games down the stretch that... The defeat to Minnesota in week 16 or 17. There were games last year when it also feels like they've got a massive Super Bowl hangover. I think they're missing Von Miller. I just, the offense doesn't seem to be clicking. There's clearly some issues, all the stuff with Cam Akers. And, you know, there are clearly some things there that we, we're not quite, you know, maybe the leadership of Andrew Whitworth not being there. There are some, some just some simmering tensions, maybe. I don't know. The, maybe it's the unease of what happened with, Miller and McVeigh in the off season that just something just doesn't quite feel right. And you know, keeping that Cardinals team hanging around, hanging around yesterday was um, seemed really odd because they were seem to be, you know, they, they don't seem to have got, got out of sort of third gear really this season, which I think is just a, a strange thing given you know how good they could be. But it does seem like that odd collection of sort of you know superstars, and it's just quite where it melded so well last year. It feels like it's just not melding at the moment. Um, they look a bit slow oh, as well. I, th- yeah, I think a bit like the Chiefs, that there's a, there's a lack of uh, impetus, but also physical pace and, and and quickness about them on both sides of the ball. Actually, I think they they're they're just a little bit off it. They're kind of playing at seventy percent, and it's it's weird. Eagles don't look slow though. Oh. <laughs> oh. Who, right? Who had uh, going right? If the Giants beat the Cowboys tonight. We're going to end week three with three three and O teams: the Eagles, the Dolphins, and the Giants. I mean, as much as a lot of people did like the Dolphins coming into the season, I know, including the three people on this call, I'm not sure. And and the Eagles, we've got the Eagles winning the NFC East in our preseason predictions. Oh. But even so, I think if we walk on, those are the three teams who are going to be at a hundred percent win rates going this late in the season. I've been astonished. I did mean to mention, and I'm just going to quickly go back to it very, very quickly uh, on last night's game, even though we shouldn't talk about it anymore. Um, Russell Wilson held to 9-3 and outs, which is the most in his career. And we are very quick to blame the coaching and Nathaniel Hackett there, other than the touchdown drive. And he's had one really good drive every week, it feels like. That offense is not clicking yet. I'm not putting that on Russell Wilson. I'm not. This isn't my Russell Wilson hate. I'm just saying that there were misthrows, there were miscues, there were, they need just to figure like it out really sharply. I mean, I do, yeah. but... It's, it just sounds you know. like somebody just has a personal grudge against Russell yeah. Wilson. <laughs> because we'd, we'd literally moved on. We've spoken to about two other yeah. games No, since. I, I felt like Broncos then, fans would be annoyed that we didn't yeah. talk about... No, I just think you wanted to get... That they've, that they've spent $245 million on a quarterback who might be already past his best. So, 
Just uh, just saying. Uh, I, it was, was great my, in your my, system, though. My thing was the Rams. I mean, I'd have him in a heartbeat, obviously. <laughs> uh, Simon Clancy, what were... In fact, I'm going to go to Ollie first, because Simon will end up listing off all his favourite things again. So, Ollie, you go. Well, I'm going to talk and steal Simon's thunder and talk about the Eagles. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. I think um, <laughs> I think the, the, the Ravens-Patriots game was just a, another example of um, Lamar Jackson just looking in incredible what what's his contract going to end up looking like like I, I, genuinely where's he going to go like what's going to happen and and will he stay there i don't know he's just he's throwing the ball better than ever he's his pocket awareness is the best that i've ever seen it he's obviously still running the ball brilliantly they found a, a wide receiver in duvernay who looks great they make him Rashad Bateman look like a legitimate like number one. Yeah, exactly. Um, Mark Andrews is is maybe the third best tight end in the league. Maybe the second best tight end in the league. So so good. And then the defense is looking great as well. All right, they let Matt Jones come back into it, and, and he played okay. Okay, he played pretty well actually. Um, and but he did get injured, so that's a worry for for the Patriots. But from a Ravens point of view. Looking, Lamar looks great. Unreal, unreal yeah, last night. Looked, they shouldn't have let the looked, Patriots stay in that game, but he was unreal. Yeah, he looks superb. I thought he was excellent. Devonta Smith, I thought for the Eagles was brilliant. Oh. He made a couple of absolutely out of this world catches. How bad? I mean, I know I defended him last week, but how bad does Justin Fields look actually? I saw somebody do their power rankings of where they expect last year's rookie quarterbacks to come out by the end of this season. And this was before the Trey Lance injury. But honestly, watching this weekend, you know, Trevor Lawrence, and then Mac Jones, and then Justin Fields was dreadful. And he makes he still makes one or two plays a game, which make you go, wow. But not really enough, is it? Well, it's, either, it's either really good or... or... It's feast or famine with fields, isn't it? That's nice still taking Jimmy Garoppolo, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, yeah, Devonta Smith is a great shout. We saw loads of great catches and some terrible officiating this weekend as well. Just some awful, awful calls on the field, which really slowed down and killed games, which I thought was a real shame. Uh, and just uh, pouring one out for what turned out to be one of the best games in the, uh, in the late window, despite the quality of the two teams being very low. The Falcons getting their first win of the season over the Seattle Seahawks. But Drake London looked great. Calpits finally got going. I feel like the Falcons are going to be... They've been in every game. They've been fun in every game. They're going to be that team who ends up only with three or four wins on the season but actually brings us entertainment every week. And I'm all right with it. Arthur Smith, you're doing a, an all right job considering you've got one of the least talented rosters in the NFL. Well done, you. Any final thoughts? I feel like... I took out all the momentum by losing my mind about Jimmy Garoppolo, and now <laughs> everyone's just feeling very down. I'm uh, logged off, mate, at that point. So. <laughs> I'm not down. I'm great. I think um, I think we need to talk about uh, Lions and Vikings. Vikings coming to London this week as well. Um, the Vikings getting the win, but the Lions letting them back into it. I think it was a bit of naivety from the Lions, but their offense, and I said it the last two weeks, their offense looks really good, um, despite having Jared Goff in, in there. Um, some some shifty receivers and the two-headed punch of the, the running backs, the offensive line looked okay. Um, and they did a good job 
in shutting down Justin Jefferson on defense. That's the way you do it, Green Bay Packers. Come on! I know that hindsight is everything, but a man, I wish they uh, considering how bad the field goal kicking had been for the whole game. I know fourth and four is a long fourth down, but I kind of wish they'd just gone for it and iced that game there and then because they would have they picked that first down that they won. Um, you know, they are not a team who necessarily have aspirations of playoffs, Super Bowls, everything else. So why not go balls to the wall to win a game of football when? You know, you're still a developing team. You're still a learning team. It was a bit of a shame from a guy that, I mean, you saw consistently through that game. They had third and longs where they were throwing short of the sticks, setting up fourth and ones, fourth and twos, and then going for it. They've done that across the last three weeks. But fourth and four just felt a little too long for him with a long field goal available. And that was a little bit of a shame. The Saints are a much bigger concern, though. Uh, I hope that they have a get-right game in London this week, and it's a lot of fun, but... I mean, Alvin Kamara at one point in this game was running for like eight yards a clip and yet they weren't giving him the ball. And then he had the fumble and it seemed like they didn't fancy him again again after that. Chris Olave, good. Like, he's a good player, but they're just not connecting at all. And to lose to this Panthers side just felt like a, a real shocker. A real shocker going ahead of a trip to London this week. Hopefully they can have a bit of a New York Giants, figure it all out in London and, and get going. The Panthers are a crap, aren't they? I mean, only targeting Christian McCaffrey four times in the receiving game. Like, the, the, the best dual threat running back that there is. And they do that? I mean, come on. Come on. It's a game that should at least be fun because Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey are out there. Which is <laughs> not fair. Fun. I think yeah. one team's going to come out of the NFC that we just don't expect. And I, you know, I don't want to say I predicted it would be Detroit in preseason, and it may not be Detroit, but there is going to be an opportunity for a team we just don't see because the NFC isn't very good. And I think you've got the Eagles who look great at the moment. I think the Packers will get it together and they're a good, good team uh, offensively, defensively, especially if they run the ball. Jair Alexander being out as a concern. I think the Buccaneers, once they get, you know, Mike Evans back, Chris Godwin back, that offense starts, the offensive line starts to get a bit healthier because their defense is still really talented. I think that those three teams are kind of a strength, but there's going to be another team that comes out of that NFC, and I don't think it's going to be the Cardinals. Obviously, the Rams are in there as well. I don't think it'll be the Cardinals. You know, I don't think it'll be the Seahawks or the Falcons. It might be the Vikings. I don't think it's going to be the Commanders. It could be the Panthers. They get it together. But I do, like if Detroit just got over the line yesterday, you suddenly think that team's two and one. They could, I've seen stranger things happen. I, I genuinely think the Lions could be all right if they can, um, just continue to build. And, uh, and like I said, there's going to be a sneaky team that comes out that we're just not expecting because that's not a very good conference. Outside of my pick of Miami uh, on TalkSport this weekend, uh, my picking has been dreadful this season, but I do like the Giants tonight against the Cowboys team who still really haven't figured it out. So, yeah, Giants win three games this early in the season. Well, they only need to win another six for the rest of the way and they probably get a wild card in this NFC. It's wild, but... Weirder things have happened. All right. Good fun. I'm sorry, Swift, I'm not to listen to me rant. I promise I'll be cheerier <laughs> later this week. We're going to have loads of coverage from the London Games. We're going to have loads of social videos. We're going to be there on the day. We'll do reactions immediately afterwards. Uh, we'll, we'll chat to Mike off air, but I'm sure there'll be some special and fun uh, ideas planned for it as well. I know certainly Ollie and I are going to this first game. I'm not sure who else is, but there'll be loads of coverage from Gridiron. So keep across it on social, at Gridiron on Twitter, at UK Gridiron as well. Ollie Hunter, any final thoughts? No final thoughts, I'm good. All right. In which case, thank you for watching and listening to the Gridiron Show.